Tony Abbott's visit up there in the Torres Straits, how important was that and what did it mean for the community? Well, I think when he first became Prime Minister, he said that he was going to spend a week um, governing the country from an indigenous remote community. So, um, yeah, we were glad that he came up here. I think the first one he did was to Arakun and then over to the Gama Festival last year. And then we, of course, invited him here, the three councils and myself. Um, and he took up that um, invite and came up. And it meant a lot for the community? Yes, it, yeah, the people actually really um, came out and greeted him. And um, he did the trip to Mare Island. And, of course, he went and saw the last resting place of Eddie Marvel. And the people of Mare Island really appreciated that. And uh, he went to the school and... The kids, they, of course, performed for him, and they, uh, he really liked it himself. And, um, of course, he, the school at Murray Island got a very good attendance rate, and that's what his policy is on about, getting kids to school. And he was really pleased that he could go to a remote indigenous community and have a you know, high percentage of kids turning up to school, and Murray Island was one of them. I think that was very powerful vision that uh, we saw of the Prime Minister, ex-Prime Minister, as we say, uh, being there at the resting place of Eddie Marbo. Did you see it like that as well? Yeah, well, I was actually there with him, and um, Nigel Scullion was there as well, and yeah, when he put that wreath down and you know, just stood there for a few seconds, yeah, the people of Murray Island was really appreciative of that. And uh, before we go on to other things that are happening up there in the Torres Straits, uh, finally, that visit, uh, not only by the Prime Minister, the ex-Prime Minister, but also Nigel Scullion, has that uh, really put the Torres Strait on the national agenda for issues affecting the community? Yes, well, um, he visited, of course, our cultural centre here, and it's not only our sort of art culture and all that, but it also deals in language. And he was a Minister Brandes, who had the Portfolio of Arts then, uh, announced a language program uh, funding for us. So um, I think it's 600000 over four years or something. And, yeah, that's really, you know, sort of significant. And, um, and that's what we sort of impressed on him that, you know, we can say we're Torres Strait Islanders and Aborigines, but if we start losing language, losing our culture, then that that um, claim could fade into the future. So it was very good that he took that to heart and um, yeah, they announced that funding. Okay, let's talk about some other amazing things happening up there in the Torres Strait. Rain Island Recovery Projects is showing some very positive results for the Torres Strait turtles. Yes, and... Um, if you know, Rain Island is the biggest green sea turtle rookery in the world, and of course, biggest in Australia. And the Northern um, Barrier Reef green turtle population is the biggest um, around the world. So, it is the nesting place. Of course, that's the big um, claim to fame, I suppose, of Rain Island. But our seagrass meadows, which the turtle feed on, is the healthiest. Um, and largest around the place, so that's why they're here. But the problem, of course, that um, I don't know whether it's sea level rise or whether it's the currents and t wind and tides taking the sand off, but um, Rain Island, the place where they nest, has been um, inundated and all places washed out. 
So that's the problem. It's not the turtles that are coming, that they're coming there, all right. But the nesting beaches are either eroded or get inundated. But the turtles know no difference. They still lay the eggs there, and of course the eggs don't hatch because the water gets to them. And some of the places where it's washed out, they can't dig holes. So I don't know where they go. But they turn around and sort of go nest with others have already nested and dig up their eggs. So um, that's the problem. I mean, the turtles are still here, and they're trying to come up to nest, but the island itself is the problem. Uh, the Queensland Government, uh, Department of Environment and Heritage, are they uh, in protection? Are they uh, being very helpful and uh, co-working with the TSRA? Yes, they've um, not particularly TSRA, but uh, the native title owners of that place who have signed the Indigenous Land Use Agreement with Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. They work together with them, and of course we support the traditional owners from up here. That's TSRA. And what we've said is they're trying to recover some of that sand and um, they redistribute the sand over where the nesting places are. And um, what I hear from the uh, traditional owners that go on those trips out there, that that's working. You know, they're, they're um, replenishing the sand where the turtles nest, digging it from elsewhere and putting it up around where the nesting sites are. And that is working, but I suppose we need more sand there to try and get some sand from elsewhere. And um, and the problem, like I said before, is that tide is coming up over where the turtles are nesting now, so we've got to raise, either raise the sand levels or push it up further up the coast, sort of. I'm speaking to Joseph Elu, Torres Strait Regional Authority Chair. And uh, Joseph, uh, well, Torres Strait Regional Authority has been funded to help preserve languages. That's a great thing. Yes, that's what we sort of say. Culture is a wide-ranging thing, but I think at the heart of culture is the language. So um, if you lose that, then you know you talk culture in another language. Your culture in another language, it has a different meaning, I suppose. And I was up there not so long ago, and I was surprised how many children, especially over near Saibai, are speaking more than two languages. It's it's amazing that uh, the amount of languages are floating around in the communities. Yeah, well, that's it. This area, I suppose, has been a melting pot for hundreds of years of um, different cultures coming here. Of course, in the pearling uh, days, um, in the turn of the previous century, there's um, you know Malays and Japanese and Okinawans and other different nationalities, Filipinos, all working the pearling and trocos industries here. So yeah, and they've intermarried with our people or Aborigines from the Cape. And yeah, so do you walk around, you not only see the languages that are different, and of course over the northern islands we intermarry with the Papua New Guineans. It's not only the language that differs, but their appearance of people is very different from other sort of indigenous centers around the country. Yeah, Joseph, can you put your finger on how many languages you think are floating around up in the Torres Strait? Official yeah. languages? <laughs> official. <laughs> well, official languages, of course, is the English, but then we have our own. We have two dialects here in Torres Strait. One's the Western Island language, which I speak. Is a Kalakaua, yeah, and there's a, another sort of middle dialect which is similar to Kalakaua, yeah, which is Kalalagaua, yeah. and then we've got Miriam Mare, which is spoken only in three islands to the east, which is uh, Murray Island, Darnley, and um, Stephen Island. 
they speak the myriad tongue and um, yeah, and it's quite different from what we speak. And of course, some of our kids up the Northern Islands, they learn the Papua New Guinea languages and they've got many of them, I can tell you. And Economic Development Summit inspires businesses in the Torres Strait. What's this all about, Joseph? Well, if you look up here, we, we have sort of two industries that we can tap now, which is the fishing, of course, we're surrounded by water, and tourism. And um, if we can link some of the tourism to fishing, you know, leisure fishing or what they call those people come and catch and release, you know, guided fishing. If we can start doing that, because what, what we're seeing is that um, the government services up here have been sort of, what would you call it, being wound back a lot. So most of our people are now looking at going down south to find work. And, um, you know, new governments come in, they cut jobs and cut this and cut that. And there's a lot of people um, not finding work. So hence we try and stimulate the industries that we can currently work in up here. And uh, what we've done is had three summits. First off, we got the elders and leaders and traditional owners and all those people in the room and said, we've got to do something to give our kids a chance to live up here and work here. Because that's a problem most of the people living are the young ones. So um, yeah, that was the first summit. The second summit, we got the businesses in the room and um, talk to them about what they feel is the problems or situations or issues up here that we can, you know, overcome or turn around or do differently that can get our industry moving forward. And the last one, we tried to get some funders in the room, you know, banks. And, of course, when the prime minister was here, that gave us another chance to have business people talking to ministers. And it was quite um, handy that we had Josh Frydenberg, uh, he was assistant um, treasurer then, in the room, and we were talking to him about tax, um, I don't know what you call it, sort of lesser tax in remote areas. I think they used to have it before, sort of tax not free, but uh, lesser tax zones. Um, yeah, and all those things, and I hope that they took it away, and my CEO and I are going to go down, hopefully end of this month, and try and catch up with the ministers that were in the room. Of course, um, George Brandis was there, and we talked to him about land tenure. One of the biggest problems up here is land tenure. The Dido Granting Trust and other land tenures that people have on the outer islands especially um, are not mortgageable. So yeah, they're inalienable land tenure. So we try to talk to him about it, and I think the Queensland government is now starting to come and talk about freehold in some of these communities that um, business precincts can be freeholded so that you can attract mortgage. Uh, Joseph, can we uh, use it as an example, uh, Saibai again, and the proximity to PNG? Uh, the proximity there is very, very close. Could there be some sort of economic benefits between both islands, well, well both PNG and Saibai and Torres Strait uh, from that point of view? Is that something that uh, TSRA might look at in the future? Yeah, well, we've just come back from Port Moresby on the treaty visit. We have a treaty meeting every year between Port Moresby or between Papua New Guinea and Australia. And we go as TSRA and um, councils go. But of course, the the problem, not problem, the issue in the Papua New Guinea side of the treaty villages, as they call them, Sigabada is straight across from Saibai. 
is they got no cash. They they can't do things. They they got no um, income, anything to speak of. So it's a bit hard trying to trade with people who got no cash, and that's that's the problem we have. Oh, so it's a one-way cash flow sort of thing. That's right, and oh, all okay. they do is bring the um, bring the uh, artifacts or things down because of uh, quarantine um, laws. Now they can't bring fruit or veggies or fish or even yeah, red meat or anything like that. It's it's all stopped by quarantine on our side. So that's the problem. They can only make artifacts earlier and what they do is when they sell them to people at Saibai, they just take the cash and go to Ibis and buy food and go home. So there's no sort of real trading prospect, if you like. And to really work that through, of course, we've got um, entry points. So to really, if you wanted to trade timber or something out of the what they call South Fly, they'll have to take it to Daru and we have to buy it at Daru for the customs there to release it and it has to come to Horn Island to be, um, or Thursday Island, to be processed through customs here. Those are the entry and departure points for customs and foreign affairs sort of. Okay, and Joseph uh, Elu, Torres Strait Regional Authority Chair. Uh, finally, applications open for the Australian Rural Leadership Program, and it's good to see the TSRA are involved in this. Yeah, we've funded a few um, participants in this program, and um, and what do you call it? Very proudly, the last three have been women. So, <laughs> I mean, we have had a couple of women before, but um, yeah, the last three, the current one that is going through there now, and the Two previous ones have been women, so that's very good for us. And um, and they all come back and take um, leadership positions in the community and either you know working for government or working for community uh, non-government organisations. And uh, they can find out more information at uh, info at tsra.gov.au. And Joseph Elo, well, it's been a busy time up there in the Torres Straits. Thank you for giving us the latest updates and also yeah. the impact of, of the ex-Prime Minister's uh, yeah. role up there too. Yeah, well, that's it. We, we never sort of stops now. We've got to go to um, Canberra and educate new ministers again. <laughs> about the Torres Strait and what we do. And, and just on that, uh, can you see uh, yourself uh, or the TSRA having a quick meeting with the new Prime Minister at all in the future? Well, we'll try, but obviously it'll be very busy in this next couple of months. Hopefully in early next year we can do it. But um, the ones we're going to thing with, we've got the new Minister for Northern Australia now, and this Josh Frydenberg was up here, so that's good. So we'll go and talk to him. And a new Fisheries Minister, we don't even know yet who. Um, yeah, Senator Colbeck has been moved sideways. So, um, yeah, there's three changes. that, and, and I think Arts moved from Brandis to somebody else or moved out of the... Yeah, there's been a general. bit of a shuffle, hasn't there? <laughs> that's right. So that's where we've got to go talk to the ministers who we deal with up here. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Joseph Elu, thank you very much for your time and uh, best of luck up there in the Torres Straits. No worries, mate. Glad talking to you.